From VOA, Press Conference USA. Here is your host, Carol Castiel. Welcome to Press Conference USA on The Voice of America. Our special guest on this edition of the program is Her Excellency Audra Plepite, Ambassador of Lithuania to the United States. The small Baltic state has played an outsized role in warning the free world about the dangers of Vladimir Putin's Russia. Prior to her appointment as Ambassador of Lithuania to Washington last year, Audra Plepite was permanent representative of Lithuania to the United Nations for four years. She also served as director of the European Union Department at the Ministry of Foreign Affairs from 2014 to 2017. Among other senior posts, Ambassador Plepite has been ambassador to Spain and the World Tourism Organization, and she led the International Missions and Conflict Prevention Division in Lithuania's Ministry of Foreign Affairs. On this edition of Press Conference USA, Ambassador Plepite will update us on the status of Ukraine's considerable progress in repelling Russia's aggression, Lithuania's role in the EU refugee crisis which the conflict has spawned, Vilnius's courageous defense of NATO and the EU in supporting Ukraine through sanctions and weapons deliveries, and the prospect of Ukraine's membership in the EU and request to join NATO. We will also talk with Ambassador Audra Plepite about the EU's short and long-term response to efforts by Moscow to falsely blame the EU and the United States of threatening Russia, when in fact, it is Vladimir Putin's Russia, which has been violating the post-World War II liberal international order by trying to redraw boundaries through force and recreate the Soviet Union. Ambassador Audra Plepite joins us via Zoom. Ambassador, welcome to the program. Thank you very much for inviting me. It's great to be here. Madam Ambassador, there has been extraordinary unity, as you know, among EU members, with an exception here and there, regarding Russia's unprovoked invasion of Ukraine in February. Baltic states like Lithuania, Latvia, and Estonia have been warning the EU about a revanchist Russia even before Moscow's 2014 annexation of Crimea and destabilization of Donbass. What is your state of play right now regarding the EU's latest strategy to support Ukraine? And why do you think it is still very important to do so, even as Vladimir Putin you know, raises the specter of using nuclear weapons? Thank you for the question. Uh, you rightly put that it's very important, the EU unity. But I would say that it's not only the EU unity, but all the like-minded countries' unity as well, and transatlantic relations and transatlantic unity is here also crucial. What we witnessed in afterwards of February 24th, there was a quick reaction of the whole democratic world towards this unprovoked uh, Russian uh, war against Ukraine. It was unprecedented that so many countries in such a short period of time reacted condemning Russia, putting sanctions on Russia, and starting to assist with military aid and other aid to Ukraine. That was very important, was crucial in this war, and we have to do everything to maintain this unity and strength of all of the countries who are there to continue the support. Here I would like to say as well that the U.S. leadership was very important as well in forging that unity and coalition, a worldwide coalition, which is encompasses not only European Union, which is right to put, which is one of the key elements and key players in this, but also Australia, Japan, South Korea, or Canada. That's very important. 
For the EU, this war in Europe is crucial, of course, because it's in our doorsteps, it's our neighborhood, it affects directly us. So since the very first days, all the EU countries opened their doors to the Ukrainian refugees, starting also assisting in uh, humanitarian aid, in every aid, many countries also with military aid. And what is also unprecedented, there was such an already number of packages on, on the sanctions on Russia. So we are still working on that. We seeing how is war is not stopping. Russia is still escalating this war. So we do have to still maintain and put even more pressure on Russia to stop this invasion. And that's why we're working also in Brussels to putting sanctions, trying to assist Ukraine as much as possible. But it's also here in Washington in uh, keeping the Transatlantic Alliance and uh, seeing how we can cooperate and work close together to ensure the Ukrainian victory in this war. Because you mentioned that the Baltics, including Lithuania, were warning about Russia and uh, about these imperialistic attempts. We saw Chechnya wars, then 2008 war against Georgia, 2014 annexation of Crimea, now this year full-scale invasion against Ukraine. So we know that if Russia is not defeated in that sense that it so that will give just more time for it to prepare for the next annexations or next situation. So that's I think we have to be very clear to continue to be very clear that we ensure the Ukrainians victory this time. Well, Madam Ambassador, as a result of Russia's defeats on the battlefield in Ukraine, we're seeing major gains by Ukraine, even into these so-called annexed territories. And then, you know, waving the specter of nuclear weapons because he seems to be so desperate. How concerned are you about this particular threat and the possibility that he may use Vladimir Putin, some kind of a limited nuclear strike? First of all, I mean, you mentioned that the gains of Ukrainians, it's very important. It's very good that we can see the difference when they get the proper ammunition and weaponry to do that. And... Nuclear weapons or use of nuclear weapons was always in the Russian military doctrine, and and that is that. But what I think, what we learned as well, that we cannot blink. We cannot, how to say, to, to be scared of that. And the best prevention and deterrence for Russia not to use nuclear weapons, I think it's strong support to Ukraine and strong Western allies word on that, that that would be catastrophic consequences for Russia if it intends to use that. And I think it's very important, U.S. administration, clear word on that, which we heard so, and I think we have to really underline and stress that in any communication with Russia. They risk much more. Now, let's go to your country, Vilnius's response to the recent sham referendum in the four eastern Ukraine provinces that led to their illegal annexation by Moscow and were recently rubber stamped in the Duma. You know, NATO Secretary General Stoltenberg said that, quote, the mobilization of more troops and the illegal annexation of parts of Ukraine constitutes the most serious escalation of the conflict since Moscow invaded Ukraine in February. What, in your view, are the ramifications of this action, which is, as Secretary General said, a major escalatory move? And, you know, the fact that Russia is calling up reserves and they're trying to flee 
You know, what does all of this portend? That's right. I mean, this referenda in in occupied parts of Ukraine, it's nothing to do with international law. It's a breach of UN Charter and, and all the other norms it gains against any internationally based order. And I think it's very right that the whole community reacted to that, not accepting this. We see what the mobilization is doing. That's a desperate Russian attempt to mobilize uh, people to maybe change the, the situation on the ground. We have to take that seriously. Anyways, we see that the Russian army didn't perform so well, but we cannot underestimate it. It's still one of the biggest army and all this uh, new thousand of uh, people mobilized. That would be strengthening. So I think I just should repeat that we have to support Ukraine more and uh, to see that that will not change. And that what we see that uh, Russian trying to avoid uh, mobilization, that also shows that, I wouldn't say that shows that not everybody supports war, which is right as well, but at least they don't want to participate in the war. So I hope that would get a bit more anti-war sentiments in Russia proper. And do you think that those anti-war sentiments in the face of a crackdown and We've seen ongoing crackdowns on innocent people, the fact that Vladimir Putin controls the electronic media and that there is really no ability to escape the forces that are set to crack down on people who protest. People are being imprisoned. They're being mistreated. The problem is it's a police state. So it's really a conundrum. Russian opposition had uh, oppressions by the government already for decades, and many have fled already, those who were vocal and saying against Putin's regime. Many NGOs, especially international NGOs, had to close in Russia and Moscow. So that's, and I think Lithuania as well, one of those countries which host the biggest, uh, per capita probably sure, the biggest number of Russian opposition in Vilnius already for some time and including Belarus opposition as well. So yes, we know how the situation is in Russia and uh, at least for the helping the opposition. But of course, that's a longer term process, this internal opposition. People are seeing now that the war is not a so-called special military operation, but a deliberate attempt by Vladimir Putin to incorporate or try to destroy a sovereign country. But we'll get more into the opposition and Lithuania's role in hosting them in just a moment. But first, you are listening to Press Conference USA on The Voice of America. Our guest is Audra Plepite. She's ambassador of Lithuania to the United States. And we are discussing the impact of Russia's invasion of Ukraine on Europe and the role of Lithuania and other Baltic states in bolstering the transatlantic alliance. I'm Carol Castiel, and this is a reminder that our PCUSA podcast is available on our website at voaafrica.com slash PCUSA. You may also listen to us on one of your favorite podcast apps. You may also follow us on Twitter at Carol underscore Castiel or connect with us on Facebook at Current Affairs with Carol Castiel. Well, here's a shout out to a very loyal listener, Igor Belovich from Belarus. Thanks for your feedback. Before we get back to our special guest, Ambassador Audra Plepite, please don't forget to tune in to our sister show, Encounter, this Saturday and Sunday, where we will be talking about the 30th anniversary of the Rome General Accords, 
which ended the civil war in Mozambique. What does the country have to show for it? Despite discovering the second largest gas field in the world in the northern province of Cabo Delgado, unaddressed local grievances and an unequal distribution of resources have helped to fuel an insurgency which has attracted foreign militants and Islamic State-related jihadists. We will have two experts to discuss the state of play in Mozambique today. And now back to our special guest, Audra Plepite, the ambassador of Lithuania to the United States. Well, speaking of Belarus, Madam Ambassador, you said, you know, that you are, that is Lithuania, is hosting so many from the opposition in that one could only call a dictatorship. You know, so-called the last dictator of Europe, the uh, current Lukashenko is being dubbed. Let's talk about Belarus now for a minute. Where do you see Belarus stand at this point? I mean, he's been, that is, the country has been clearly in the camp of Vladimir Putin. How do you see its role going forward as Putin is stumbling and basically seeing so many defeats on the battleground in, in terms of morale? Yeah, I mean, this war and uh, what we witnessed in the beginning of this year with Belarus is like once uh, supporting Russia's invasion. Militarily, it's almost part of Russia militarily because the invasion of Ukraine in the beginning of this year in February took place from the Belarus territory. So the Russian troops were allowed to do what they want and felt probably like home and something. So unfortunately, in this war, Belarus is very clearly on the Russian side. What we see, they didn't participate in the war themselves. They haven't got mobilization, but sometimes it's not maybe even necessary of that. The most important, I mean, they were doing providing logistical support, infrastructural support to the Russian troops. And uh, we've been seeing those exercises, military exercises already for decades. So that's not so big surprise for us. And that's why I think we have to treat as well them as Russia. And it's very good that EU and, and, and the US and others put the same sanctions to Belarus as to Russia as well to deter the further involvement in the conflict. And we hear also very clear voices of uh, Belarus opposition in uh, condemning this war and uh, Belarus authorities' cooperation uh, and support to the Russia's regime. Madam Ambassador, with regard to Belarus, as you said, your country is housing and hosting so many brave opposition members based on the uh, sham elections that were held there, or rather the elections that were not, the results of which were not properly recognized. But now there's some controversy with regard to Russian exiles, those who are trying to escape the mobilization, reservists, they're heading toward the borders, trying to get into, obviously, European countries uh, like your own. And now we're seeing a hardening stance by Europe, most of Europe, toward these Russian exiles. And, of course, Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky has called on Western governments to impose visa bans on all Russian citizens. And he argues that uh, let the Russians, quote, live in their own world until they change their philosophy. So I wanted to get your take on the tightening of the borders now. Do you think that's the right policy? And what is Lithuania's policy now with regard to whether banning Russian nationals from entering your country? What is your policy regarding visas and allowing people who are trying to flee now, you know, mobilization? Do you think you should let them in partially or have a harder line like President Volodymyr Zelensky would like to see? 
we started talking already, Lithuania hosted a number of opposition from Russia or from Belarus, including NGOs, members of political opposition, um, media as well. So we know how to work and, and what the situation in that country as well. We still have the humanitarian visas, those who really have need for humanitarian or asylum, political asylum, so they can apply, you see. And we hosted lots of Ukrainian refugees and asylum seekers for the conflict as well. And I know that all other neighboring countries also hosted thousands and thousands of Ukrainians who are now part of our society. They were all the ordinary people, all the Lithuanians opened their doors and houses to host Ukrainian families, mostly the women and, and children. Children go to the Lithuanian schools. They have health, medical assistance, social help and everything. So they're part of the more or less Lithuanian society. And those people fleeing Russia, it's a big question if they're against war. They probably they're more against participating in the war themselves or not to be or something like that. So it's another thing. But have to be vocal against the war, not only against being sent to front lines as well. So as my minister tweeted, I think, they have to fight. They have to fight also for, in that sense, for Ukraine and against the regime, saying that they voice to be hit, not only escaping the country, but also taking political stance against that and supporting peace, real peace in Russia. Exactly. No question. There's a very important distinction you made between hosting and welcoming Ukrainian asylum seekers, refugees. That's critical, and we acknowledge Lithuania's role. But with regard to these refugees now fleeing, aside from the real opposition members, those who are really vocal, what you're saying is that you are planning to limit visas for those just trying to escape the mobilization and the participation in the war on behalf of Russia. You're making that distinction. Is that correct? We are not opening the, uh, the borders for those. I mean, there were in the number of countries how you can see that there were if Ukrainian refugees who really fled the war are hosted there and they have Russians coming and not all of them or many majority, they're not against the war as itself. They're the only thing, they don't want to participate in the war, something like that. So it's the moral obligation as well to protect those Ukrainian refugees and others or not. not. The question who is victim and aggressor. Yes, I understand. That makes a lot of sense. It's really more in line with Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky's view. Let's move on now to this pipeline attack, the sabotage of the Nord Stream 1 and 2 gas pipelines. Russia, of course, is laughingly blaming the United States and everyone else, finger pointing. But in fact, what is your take on this recent sabotage of the pipelines? What's going on there? I think what is really, we have to, to wait to that. But what is clear that Russia has started already at least energy war against Europe already for some some months ago, even in the beginning of this year, there was not selling gas to the EU as we needed to have reserves and just Nord Stream was sabotaged. And it's a very open question who is more gaining for that. But for instance, also the, the gas to Italy, to Southern Europe was stopped as well some days ago. So the Ukrainians are fighting for their lives and their territory, for their freedoms on their territory, on the ground. The whole Europe is also facing very, very serious energy challenges at home. 
and paying one of the highest price for that. And I think that's clearly Russia is doing everything possible as well to to divide European Union, uh, the member states, and uh, to weaken its support to Ukraine, which we cannot afford, especially now. But what is, yes, Madam Ambassador, what is your sense then regarding the unity of the EU and NATO during this period where Ukraine is making incredible battlefield progress, uh, holding the line, counteroffensives now in the south, the Kherson region. They've now controlled Lehman in the east, which was a major milestone because it was used as a logistical mm-hmm. hub by Russia. The partial mobilization doesn't seem to be working, sparking major protests, as we said. Do you think the West, the alliance, can you know, hold the line through this very difficult winter? where sabotage may very well continue to occur and Russia, again, saber-rattling. Yeah, I do believe that we will keep the unity until now we don't see fractions in that. And I have to do that, that we will be united in being together, in supporting Ukraine and keeping pressure on Russia as well. So it's my hope and belief as well that we will manage this winter. And of course, European Union took already a number of initiatives a number of countries took also important decisions how to ensure the energy independence from Russian gas and uh, other energy resources. For instance, uh, Germany prolonged functioning of the nuclear plants. Many countries are building LNG terminals, uh, looking for infrastructure, and of course, looking to the renewables, which would be the main uh, source of energy soon in Europe. So unfortunately, sometimes happens, crisis also pushes us to make decisions much more quicker and faster and to implement them as well. I mean, I do hope, I believe that would be the case with the European Union. I can tell for Lithuania, we realized we were one of the most dependent country of uh, Russian gas more than 10 years ago. We had only one pipeline, gas pipeline from Russia and 100% depending on the Russian gas. So that made us pay the highest price in Europe for gas. And that also made the government decide to build LNG terminal. And the moment we built, the cost dropped. And now we are among very few, if not the only EU country, which is not dependent at all, 100%. We don't import any Russian gas, oil, or electricity as well. So I think our example can be for the other countries as well to to see how we can... uh, ensure our energy security and our energy independence. Well, that's excellent to hear. What about EU accession being fast-tracked for Ukraine? Are you in favor of that? And how do you think that is progressing? We are very much in favor of that. I think it's very good incentives also for the Ukraine itself. And uh, there were very important decisions in Brussels and in Kiev. And the process has started. We see some progress already from Ukrainian side. And we just have to keep working. I know that would be also a difficult process and a challenging process, especially for Ukraine, which is also contributes fighting the war. But I think all the measures, means should be met and have even bigger progress on that. Okay. Now, of course, NATO may be a different matter. Of course, we know in light of of Russia, particularly Vladimir Putin, waving the specter of the use of nuclear weapons and the strength of Ukraine on the battlefield and the need for Ukraine to be firmly within the Western alliance. 
He has asked for, you know, NATO accession. What about NATO? What is Lithuania's view with respect to eventual Ukrainian accession to NATO? The Bucharest agreement, the Bucharest declaration is there, and it's very clear that NATO's doors are open, open for every country which wishes to join it, and none other non-NATO country has a voice in that. So we took seriously this uh, Ukrainian application for NATO, and we will see, we will discuss with all the NATO member states and see how we can assist and we can help that very important Ukrainian request. And just a few last words, Ambassador Plepite, regarding where things stand now, both on the battlefield and with respect to the larger strategy of repelling this revanchist Russia with its false and dishonest narratives regarding you know, aggression by the West and Ukraine when it's really the reverse. Your final thoughts? That we should remain united, exactly what we started. We should remain united and strong in support for Ukraine in countering also Russian narrative, which you pointed out. It's outrageous. It's completely changing the, the situation. So we have to do that and uh, keeping Russia and sanctions on Russia. And it's also forging the alliance uh, in, in that and uh, to see that Ukrainian is fighting not only for its own territory, it's fighting for all our values and freedoms. So we have to take into account and, and to support that and also to talk with all other countries and to have the even bigger alliance worldwide. And then I do believe we will get Ukrainian victory as well. Ambassador Audra Plepite is the Lithuanian ambassador to the United States. Madam Ambassador, thank you for your time and sharing your critical insights. And before we close, here is a U.S. government editorial talking about the illegitimate referenda held in Ukraine by the Kremlin. Moscow-backed authorities staged sham referenda in four regions of Ukraine, Donetsk, Kherson, Luhansk, and Zaporizhia. The Kremlin announced it will move forward with its purported annexation of these regions of Ukraine, despite Russia not fully controlling these areas. Secretary of State Antony Blinken condemned the Kremlin's sham referenda, calling them a futile effort to mask what amounts to a further attempt at a land grab in Ukraine. To be clear, he added, the results were orchestrated in Moscow and do not reflect the will of the people of Ukraine. The United States does not and will never recognize the legitimacy or outcome of these sham referenda or Russia's purported annexation of Ukrainian territory. Russia's attempts at annexation of Ukrainian territory violate international law and are an affront to the principles of international peace and security. Russia has forced much of the population in areas it seized to flee and compelled Ukraine citizens that remained to cast ballots at gunpoint in fear for their safety and the safety of their loved ones, reported Secretary Blinken. Ukraine's people had consistently expressed their desire for a free and democratic future. Their soldiers are fighting bravely, and citizens in Russia-controlled areas of Ukraine are resisting Moscow's efforts to change Ukraine's internationally recognized borders by brute force. The United States and its allies and partners will continue to assist Ukraine in its fight to defend its territory against Russia's aggression. 
We wholeheartedly support Ukraine's unity, sovereignty, independence, and territorial integrity within its internationally recognized borders, declared Secretary Blinken. President Joe Biden has said we will never recognize these areas as part of any country other than Ukraine, and we will support Ukraine for as long as it takes. He also warned that the United States will impose additional swift and severe economic costs on Russia. The United States stands with its partners around the world in rejecting whatever fabricated outcomes Russia announces. We will continue to support the Ukrainian people and provide them with security assistance to help them defend themselves, declared President Biden, as they courageously resist Russia's invasion. That was an editorial reflecting the views of the United States government. Press Conference USA on The Voice of America was produced in Washington with technical assistance from Rick Pantaleo. I'm Carol Castiel. Join me again next week for another Press Conference USA on The Voice of America.